and it's all about planting those seeds of money which will grow into the money tree that they say doesn't exist because they always say money doesn't grow on trees well if you plant enough seeds you'll grow a big enough tree and you'll be able to live off the fruit that that tree yields so mark i've just finished a book called money matrix and i know you love to talk about money and the system and i think you've got some maybe should we call them controversial views around money so do you think there's some kind of money matrix at play where there's a system that most people don't know about around money that doesn't serve the the populace um I don't necessarily think there is a money matrix, as you put it there. I, I think we're kept very much in the dark as to what we should do with money, that's for sure. I mean, when you think about it, you go to school and you're taught to become a cog in a wheel to earn money. And at no point are you actually told what you should do with that money or how you can increase your money or make your money work for you. And I think... Most people will think about money in the wrong way. Most people think about earning money to spend money. They don't think about earning money to make money from that money. Mm. And if they did, um, it would be a whole different place. And it certainly improved a lot of people's lives. So, you know, rather than going out and spending 10 grand that you've saved up, that you've then got to save up again, um, you're obviously better off to save your 10 grand, invest it wisely, make it mature into a bigger amount of money and then spend your 10 grand and it's only a small impact on what you've grown mm. um, and it's all about I suppose for me um, planting those seeds of money which will grow into the money tree that they say doesn't exist because they always say money doesn't grow on trees well if you plant enough seeds you'll grow a big enough tree and you'll be able to live off the fruit that that tree yields mm. um, so that's the way I've always looked at it from I'd say a fairly young age. Mm. So why aren't we then taught about how to manage and invest our own money? Um, I guess that's because then you will escape the matrix. and you So will, maybe there is a matrix. Well, maybe, but um, you, then you become um, free. And the last thing they want you to be probably is free because, as I mentioned earlier, the whole society thing is to make you a cog in a wheel. Um, and if you, you, you're all different shapes. When you go into school, I, I remember when I started Infoscore, I didn't particularly like school. I'd have rather have gone home, but I tolerated it and got on with it. But everyone that started at that infant school was different. Everyone was different, you know. There'd be the kid that played up. There'd be the kid that joked around. There'd be the kid that sat down quietly in the corner. But they mould you into what they want to be the same thing coming out the other end so that you can serve the system as it is. And that's been the same since Rockefeller invented the schooling system that we've mm. adopted and kept with for many years. So when you say um, adapted to serve the system, are you meaning things like pay your taxes and put your money in the bank so that they can lend and invest your money? And Well, they're not even lending your money, are they? They're lending money that doesn't exist, which yeah. is a whole new thing. And uh, It doesn't exist. <laughs> they print it out of nothing. Yeah. They give it, they charge it to you with interest and yep. then you give it back to them and they earn interest on the money that you and give back to them. And if you struggle to pay back the money that doesn't exist, um, then you're... Uh, banged up for it or you lose your property or whatever mm. it happens to be so it's a whole uh, game of cards isn't it really it's a, yeah. it's a big illusion it's a big smoke screen and uh, if you go too in depth you'll find the system once you start talking about too much of it will will block you really 
Well, I think so, yes. Well, I mean, I had Nigel Farage on my show mm. and he's been debanked. I know. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Purely, as I understand it, for his political views. And yeah. The person at, uh, what, Nat West and Coots. RBS, uh, yeah. Yeah, didn't like his views, so debanked him. And it's, yeah. there's plenty that have been debanked. He's yeah. obviously a high-profile one that wouldn't part with it and went very public about it. So. Right. So does it worry you talking about it? Because part of me thinks, learn how the system works, learn the smart parts of the system, like leverage debt, to buy assets, yeah. understand how to get inflation being assets, keep quiet, <laughs> go and make lots of money. And, and then part of me thinks, but there's something that feels wrong about it. Mm, well, there's definitely something wrong about it. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I quite often find you can, um, you can know ins and outs of something that you don't like, um, but you've got to work within that system. You know, you, you can beat the wall down and uh, we all know of influencers that have stood up and shouted loudly and, you know, various things happen. You so mean Andrew Tate? Well, I might mean him, I might mean <laughs> various others, but at the end of the day, you've got to be, um, you've got to work with the system that's there. I don't think you as an individual can change it very much. Mm. Um, and you could say, well, you can stand to be a politician and all the rest of it, but you and I both know that the politicians are just one tier or two tiers down from what's really going on. So you're still not going to change anything. Yeah. So are you saying then that people are better maybe to, to self-educate around money? You know, you do a lot of money content. I've written a lot of money books. There's some good people out there that are smart with money. Are you saying that's a good way to self-educate? Uh, I think self-education is huge because uh, no one else is, you know, in the school systems is going to teach you this. Um, I, I'm not sure on university because I've not been through university side of things, um, but there's certainly a lack of education for most people around money. Um, and without that education, uh, you know, where are they going to go to? And obviously self-education um, can be uh, via us on YouTube, for example, or via a mentor of some sort. I mean, or or business partner if you're going into business. Mm. I mean, I would say one of the things I would have liked to have had was a mentor for longer. Unfortunately, he died when I was quite young, the guy who sort of opened my eyes a little bit to what was possible. Mm. Um, and also, I'd have liked to have a business partner that, that had... Um, I would say sort of like my same views, but brought in a different skill set, probably the money side of it with other things. And we could have pushed forward together. That would have been quite nice. Mm. Because like I'm quite risk avert, you know, right. which you? I don't often say, Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I am quite risk avert, but I'm, I'm not against taking a chance, but it's got to be calculated. Yeah. You so know. you don't believe in this, you know, go all in, go big or go home, you know, the very American culture around no, money I've, and I've never um, been one of those that wants to lose his shirt, you know, no. put, you know put everything on the line. Um, I like the fact that um, we, we work within a limited company, you know, because mm. that, that makes it possible for me to take more risk than I probably would. Mm. Um, but coming from nothing as well, I think that makes you um, sort of scared to let it go to a certain degree as right. well. Um I know you've come from very humble beginnings as well. I think mm. your parents did run various businesses, though, which I think is a slightly different grounding. But My, it was always hard for them, you know, running pubs and things yeah. like that. I never saw them properly flourish. But they, they were hustlers, weren't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I think seeing that hustle culture is what my son sees from me, yeah. and that will rub off. And I think because of that, he'll do 
you know, exponentially better than what I've done because he's seen all that from an early age. Mm. Whereas I saw, um, going back to the school system, I saw the school system, I saw my parents working within the system that they'd come out of, and that was said to me, that's what you've got to do. Yeah. Now, I went into a nine-to-five job being a um, carpenter joiner and cabinet maker. I absolutely loved it. You know, I'm not, not knocking it mm. because I, I really enjoy it. I still like making things, as I've mentioned many times, this yeah. table. You made the snooker table cover, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Which you've never taken off. No. <laughs> um, so I do like that side of things. And, you know, I, I went to Day Release College. I graduated College with Leadership Awards. First one to do that at this company. And then I got put on making these blooming bins wooden trash bins basically mm. and i just had to have it out with the manager and i said you know at the end of the day how long are i going to be on this job because i've graduated i've got all you know all the best re- results i could possibly get i'm better than this mm. and he said well you'll be making these today you'll be making them tomorrow and for the next five years and i went well sorry that, that's not going to happen yeah you know so these things are determinations within your life, aren't they? And that was like, yeah, you might as well have said to me, get out, you know. Yeah. But I managed to say that and right. get out of that situation. Um, but a lot of people are so did your favor there, aren't they? You did your favour in many ways then? In some ways, yeah. Mm. Um, I think being in a comfortable situation is probably the worst situation mm. you can be in, you know, because you, you don't then take any risk. If you never take any risk, then <laughs> that's the worst risk of all, isn't it? Yeah. Not taking any Mm. Or as I say, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't think you have to risk everything. No. I th- also think when you're younger, you're risking a hell of a lot less as well yeah. because you've got less at risk, uh, first and foremost. You know, if you go back to zero from a thousand pounds and you haven't got kids and mortgages and cars and all that that. so you can make it back and also you've got the time to make it back and but then you see we're also ingrained with this failure culture aren't we oh you failed you know you must be useless you've gone out of business well you you may well have failed technically but you've learned a lot of lessons haven't you Mm. you know hell of a lot of lessons so you know it's very important to take some of these little knocks and failures along the way and go "Mm, all right then i could have paid a lot of money for that failure I've, mm. I've lost a couple of quid it's not a lot really yeah. in the scheme of things yeah we call it the entrance fee yeah. uh, and also that is the good thing about a limited company it mm. allows you to do that without losing your own house or your own possessions so mm. well uh, i wasn't limited really soon enough and again that's another right. reason to have a good partner and a good mentor along the way because i believe that you know if you're in a a community of uh, or a membership should we say where people can help you in business i think your odds are so much better i mean something like 10 years what is it five percent that that businesses that get past their 10 year maybe wow it's, it's not very many anyway but i think the odds mm. are stacked in your favor if you've got people helping you along the way and that doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money no no not not today with mm. the massive information out there do you think that the government are doing enough to support small business no. and innovation and no. startups? No. And young talent? No. No, that was easy. No. And Why the com- not? And the country's Why full not? of entrepreneurs. We, yes. We are, well, we used to be like the, the nation of small shopkeepers, but that didn't mean necessarily shopkeepers, did it? It meant, you know, people with small, small businesses, businesses yeah. and innovation and all that sort of thing. And, you know, that that's being crushed. Why? You know? 
I really don't know. I think I think governments love big business. They love big corporations. Absolutely love them. Um, well, because, because they, they probably get financial benefit and donations and probably. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I don't delve uh, too deeply into that. But obviously, they come in saying we promise. You know, we're going to do right. three thousand jobs oh, or whatever yeah, the yeah. case may be. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, come on, come to the country. You know, do that. Now we can't close them down, even though they're not paying a lot of tax because they've yeah. got all these jobs. But they probably put ten thousand out of jobs to create those 3,000 jobs. Mm. So I think they're in love for some reason with big corporate business. And the problem is entrepreneurs have got to have an incentive, okay? And if they don't have an incentive... Get a uh, job. <laughs> yeah, or they're going to move. Yeah. And, you know, we've done some podcasts in Dubai and we've looked at the situation there and you think, well, should we move to Dubai? You know, because, you know, it's a tax-free place. Yeah, there's a little bit of corporation tax, but it's not a lot. Yeah. You know, so we could benefit hugely from that. But I'm hugely patriotic. I love the country I live in, but it starts to get harder. And I'm 56 next week. Right. You know, you think to yourself, you know, why am I thinking of getting out of my own country? Shame, isn't it? It is a shame. And you know what? I think there's must be 70 to 80% of entrepreneurs I speak to who think the same thing. Mm. Um, I was being interviewed today on a podcast and someone was talking about, oh, well, rich people, you know, they don't pay the money down the system to the poor. And I said, they do. They do in the form of taxes and the taxes go to the government and then the money doesn't go down to the poor because mm. taxes is a way to redistribute wealth. And it just seems that so many people are over the UK, which is such a shame with all the history we have. Yeah. It's a great country, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. really is a great country. Um, but, you know, there's only so much you can do. I mean, I, I always think the world's full of, or people are the three Ds. You know, you've got the drifters, the dreamers, and the doers. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're always going to have people that drift through life. They don't really have a motivation. Uh, they spend everything checkbook to checkbook or no, sorry, not checkbook to checkbook, but yeah. <laughs> showing your age. Paycheck to paycheck. That's what I meant to say. Um, and and they say money doesn't you know buy you happiness, but that's all the while they're spending every penny they got to try and be happy. Um, and then you've got the dreamers. Obviously, I, I think most people fall into that bracket. Most people have got a dream of where they want to be, what they want to earn, what they want out of life. Um, but as we go back to what we were speaking earlier, they don't know how to get to that point. Um, if they don't know how to get to that point, then they're never going to get to that point. And then you've got the doers. Now, the doers are the same as dreamers, but they do go out and do it. They they educate themselves that little bit further. They, they see where they want to go, and they find a way to get there. Mm. Now, if those doers are just taxed to high heaven, then how are they going to have that, want to to get to those the incentive dreams. there's yeah. no point you know and a lot of them will look at you know what others are getting and Lisbon, go you know dubai exactly yeah. you know and and that's no good for this country that's no. for sure you know and if you end up um i mean you're probably in a similar position i mean i probably pay out of every pound i earn probably in some form of tax 65 pence of the pound something like that i mean i, I worked out with what i earn and then what i spend it's 70 pence. In there the you pound. go. I mean, that's outrageous. It is outrageous. I'm working 70% of my life for the government. Yeah. And so that makes me not want to draw money out of my companies because I don't want a massive, great big tax event. Exactly. Which that. clogs up the flow of money in the system. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, isn't it? absolutely ridiculous. And you know, I I think there is there is an answer to it. Um, the the problem is the answer is probably too simple. Um, flat flat rate tax. Flat rate tax. Hundred percent flat rate tax. Because you know, as a an entrepreneur um, and someone that earns a bit more than the average, then if I'm paying more percentage tax what how how is that fair yeah that is not fair so oh but you earn more so you should pay more well that that's that's wrong and the problem with it is is as you go up the scales of the earning the more the more the more the more you earn the more money you've got to pay for someone to help you avoid to pay that tax mm. so you're not going to get it anyway no. so if everyone's paying 20 percent, you know everyone's fair everyone's yeah. the same now you don't have to start that until the first thirty thousand, if you want mm. you know it doesn't matter you you know your, your lower earners could be tax-free for a, a much bigger amount that longer period um and then obviously you pay one amount from there on mm. and also vat i mean blimey vat 20 yeah. percent. i mean that is you know they say it's for, for what and they call it value added tax where's the value well there's not <laughs> no. you know and the thing is well if you've vatted everything period doesn't matter what it is it makes life simpler because it you know in, in some of my businesses some things are vatted some aren't let's just vat everything and let's just vat it all at 10 percent. you know it's not an extortionate amount those that can afford to buy the items that got vat on are paying tax to the government those that can't afford the items aren't paying that vat mm. that's that's fine i think it's a, a fair tax from the amount that you can afford but it's too big an amount yeah so you're always gonna have people trying to avoid it bring things in smuggle shall we say yeah. for want of a better word you know that's a, a horrible yeah. tax that we all collect for the government and yeah. don't get paid for doing it yeah and the problem is that but then there's corporation tax then there's income tax <laughs> then there's national insurance yeah. oh wait a minute where does the national insurance money go to oh wait a minute oh, i can't get in the nhs mm. and then the pension contributions you have to make it's just endless yes it is endless and I mean, actually, when you sit down and you work it all out, do you ever have that feeling of why yeah. do I yeah. bother? Yeah. Right. Now, as an entrepreneur. For nearly 20 years, I've been an entrepreneur. Yeah, you I, shouldn't yeah. have that no. feeling. You should have the feeling of, oh, I'm really doing well. Yeah. I'm helping this country. I'm employing all these people, yeah. giving them enough money to pay their mortgages, buy their cars, do whatever they want to do. I'm being rewarded myself. Fantastic. I love living in this country. Yeah. That's how I think you should feel as an entrepreneur and be praised by the people around you for that. Mm. You know, like, well done. You know, fantastic. He's doing well. So that means people that he's employing are doing well and so on and so forth. You shouldn't feel the opposite to that mm. as an entrepreneur. Do you think there's any chance we could get back to this? I hate to say this, Mark, but maybe it's a fantasy what you just said there, but because it just seems they're so over it. I mean, it feels it feels to me more like a communist country than it does a capitalist country. Okay, I still own my properties; they're hopefully not going to take them off me. Mm. But you know, taxes are so high that they're taking a lot of that. How do we get back? Look, I know in some ways you might not want to stick your head up, but surely people like us have got to talk about this more. And throw some ideas out there. Because, by the way, if the government came to me some for some advice, which they wouldn't, no. I would openly talk to them but and help But that's the problem. Them. You've just summed the problem up. They won't come to you because they know what you're going to say, and that's not part of their agenda. So why would they come to you? But how are they going to grow the economy if they just keep biting the hands that feeds them? 
well, I don't. I think they've already had the the, the hands, haven't they? The arms have gone, and uh, it's starting <laughs> to take a bit more of the torso the way they're going. So I, I I don't know really what the answers are. I mean, I know what I would do. I mean, I if I'm sure if you got into power as prime minister, or if I got into Paris prime minister, we'd probably only last four years. Yeah, but we we change. We try and change a bit, yeah. but of course. All those levels above, will they allow you to change those well, things? Well, that's true. You know, and, and then also the problem is the voting, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, what landlords are, are evil because there's two and a half million landlords yeah. and there's 70 million homeowners and renters or whatever. Yeah. So have you ever wondered why it's only four years as well that they're in power? Uh, well, personally, I think it's far too short. I think it's way too yeah, short. Yeah, because a football manager, is, like Klopp, took him that long just to find his own squad in Liverpool. Yeah. And when Ferguson came into Man United, if I brought in a new MD, yeah. so why only... But also, when he came into power, into Maybe because they're a puppet. I yeah, don't know. he may well have known that he'd got at least four years to get it right. He he didn't think, all oh, right, after two years, I'll, I'll give a little bit, you know, do a little bit what I can, and then I'll soften it all off, ready for another election. Then I'll, I'll do a little mm. bit more, then I'll soften it off in four years. If you were in power for 10 years you might actually have a chance yeah. because at the end of the day, they say we've got choice, but we've got no choice. We've got A or B. Now, yeah. if we don't like A, we can vote in B. Um, funnily enough, when B gets in, we don't like them well, because they're doing the same. We voted in A and then who A made us Prime Minister, Liz Truss, and then Rishi, we weren't able to even choose that. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy situation, really, yeah. when you start thinking about it. And it's the perceived choice that you think you've got the perceived freedom that you think you've got and you haven't no yeah i mean it starts I, to get a little bit deep for me because i don't generally speak much about politics but and that's probably as deep as i go on the on the subject to be honest mm. um, because otherwise you get to a point where you're discussing things you you cannot change yeah and i suppose that's why i talked about um how far you'll go because once you get to the point where it makes you feel uh then that can affect your productivity. Mm. Um, whereas, let's flip it on its head and let's talk about some of the good things. In the UK, you own your own property and the state won't take it off you like yeah. they might in, in other states, like China, for example. So, Where I nearly bought a property. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would have been all right at the moment, but yeah. you, it can be just taken away from you. Yeah, yeah. You don't own the land, no, you only you, own the property. Exactly. Uh, and technically, with the words like mortgage and birth and register, which if you look at the history of the language of mm. those words, you're giving away ownership with register and birth and mortgages until death. So technically, the state have you know given themselves some good contractual coverage, mm. but there would be an outrageous revolution in this country if they started taking your properties off mm. you. So I suppose that's one thing we should be grateful for. We that's can... probably where you've got to be grateful for probably Margaret Thatcher at this mm. stage because that was the, the thing that probably pushed house ownership. Although the trickle down, I don't agree with, and yeah. a lot of the things she did was wrong, but certainly she pushed this house ownership thing quite mm. hard, didn't she? So yeah. you know, owning your own property is always seen, particularly in this country, as being a, a huge up, isn't it? Mm. So. Yeah, for sure. And you know, a lot of the American influencers, they say you should never own your own home. You should yeah. rent your own home. Yeah. Well, I'm British and I have a little bit of a different view and you're quintessentially British, Mark, even yeah. with the waistcoat. Yeah. Do you think you should own or rent your own home? Well, it really depends. I mean, there's no there's no right or wrong answer here. Um, if you're going to live in the same place for seven plus years and that's your personal asset, then probably you should buy it because it becomes cost effective to do that. Um if you're likely to move, 
then within that seven years and you know that's likely then definitely you don't really want to be buying it as your personal uh property to be living in um having said that um if you're buying a property to rent it out that's a completely different thing you know and you can obviously rent for yourself and and have a uh, a buy to rent with without any shadow of a doubt that's an investment but the mm. the place you're living in really it's got to be a seven year plus why is uh, that thing. well because of the cost of ownership i right. mean first of all you've got your land registry you've got your 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 mortgage stamp costs duty. you've got yeah stamp mm. duty you've got uh all your various insurance you've got yeah refurb yeah. you've got the the, the boiler's gonna go isn't mm. it you know the everything you know everything that's involved with it you know i would say it's seven years I, I don't know if you think that as well but i think it's about seven years mm. um and then you're probably into making some money the the thing that I think a lot of people confused with property, um, pers personal property we're talking about here, is you buy a house for yourself and it doubles in value. Oh, I've doubled my money. Well, you haven't because you've had all those ongoing costs within that time period. So um, people don't take that into account. It's a bit like doing up a, a classic car. If you didn't enjoy doing it, well, you should have charged for your time. If you charged for your time, you made a loss. Yeah. Yeah, I um, have got a Ferrari Testarossa that's gone up in value and it's just had £16,000 spent on the engine and that's wiped out all the value increase. Yeah. Mind you, that did jump a lot. Testarossa jumped a mm. lot. I mean, they were sitting, I believe, at about 80, 90, about seven years ago, seven, seven right. to eight yeah. years ago. And they had quite a jump, didn't mm. they? And where is it now? 220, something like that? Well, I'd, be a bit, I'd be a bit conservative on that, but I've definitely ma yeah. made... Somewhere around made, the area, isn't it? Yeah, made a pound or two. Yeah. Um, what about this though, Mark, with the, the the buy versus rent? Seven years, or let's say five years. So yeah, okay. So I, we, um, I, I'll take we five break years. you. We break your seven year rule. Move it yeah. down to five. Um, five years rent lost. It's gone nowhere. Yeah, but it's as dead. long as you've invested the money you would have spent on that property. So, for example, your your down payment, your deposit, um, and all of those ongoing costs. If you'd invested those in the right sort of areas, then the amount that you would make on those investments, or if you're an entrepreneur and you want that to accelerate your business, you can earn tenfold within that five period five-year period right. and we're only talking on personal property your personal yeah, property yeah, yeah. you know as soon as you go into um buying to rent as you know because yeah. this is your specialist area and i'm not going to teach you to suck eggs um you know that's a completely different yeah. kettle of fish yeah i'm really torn on this now because honestly for years i was always pro home ownership mm. you know houses have proven to go up in value every 15 years or so in the uk for a thousand years maybe not so much america mm. you have the scarcity of supply the banks yeah. you know they don't really want the house market coming down too much because they take a haircut on their money and you can make it your own you know for example i'm in your house and this is your studio you wouldn't be able to put all this into a rental no because it'd, it'd be dead money and but be, at 56 i would hope that i've got the property that i want but there's a lot um, of american influencers in their 50s saying oh rent don't buy yeah well they're in different areas of <laughs> influencing yeah. shall we say and, right and, they're and maybe they're talking to, to a 20 year old yeah example, i mean if you take yeah. graham stephan for example in the financial niche he will own his property yeah you know andre jink he would own his property you know people that are so, in that financial so people who can will. afford it they, they yeah, probably I will so. i think so yeah yeah for yeah. sure for sure <laughs> yeah and and then so what you could do then if you're saying you've got maybe a deposit stamp duty and all the costs but you don't buy 
you rent, you invest the money well, you might be able to make recurring passive income from the money that you invest to pay your rent and you've got yeah. free living. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So the, the, there's lots of ways to skin a cat, isn't mm. there? I mean, the other way that's very, very popular, particularly in the States, is to have a duplex where obviously you buy the house and one side is for a different family yes. one side's for your family yeah. and you offset those costs considerably um i think there's a little bit of a thing against that in this country i think people hate the idea of well m there aren't many duplexes you know you'd have yeah. to say a semi-detached and then they're two separate houses with you know all the different problems that come with that mm. um and i don't think people want to rent out rooms necessarily in their house but you know, if you get by a four-bedroom house at a fairly young age and you don't mind renting out three rooms you're living there for free well do you know what i learned this from my business partner's dad because my business partner's dad was a very successful entrepreneur while my business partner was going to school and his friend he's when he turned 18 he said right here's what i'm going to do See that nice three-story, mm. five-bed house? Um, I'll put the deposit in. I'll be the guarantor. But you have to um, rent out the rooms. And anything you make on top is yours. I just want the, the mortgage covered. Mm. Anything you want on top is yours. I think they had an equity share. And at age 18, he's renting out the rooms, de learning to deal with tenants. Yep. And you know, when you've ever had tenants as friends, that normally goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I actually thought, in there. no, but I thought, <laughs> What a good way to give someone an incentive and throw them in the fire and get them to learn what business investing is really like. Yeah, it sounds, sounds absolutely great. You know, yeah. I'd have loved to have done something like that early on. Yeah. But that's where you need people to help you with these lessons. You need it? an entrepreneurial father. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and do you think those entrepreneurial fathers and mentors and role models, do you think maybe that's a dying breed? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I've been in uh, business for 36 years now, roughly. Um, and it was only three years ago, we started doing the YouTube journey. And that only happened because we were sat around a table similar to this in a skiing resort. And there was about, I think it was four or five young guys that were constantly after dinner, you sit around and have a chat, and they were constantly talking about business and, and entrepreneurship and what they should do with investing and various things. And we sat there for two hours. I didn't know it was two hours. The next day, my son said to me when we were out on the ski stove, he said, do you realise you were talking for two hours about this last night? And they were lapping it up. I said, well... I said I was shocked that they weren't learning this at school. Mm. I, I thought it was only like my generation that didn't, and by now they'd have sussed that out and they'd be teaching them. Um, and he said, well, they don't, and I think we should start the YouTube channel and uh, try and give a bit back. And to be honest, that's how it feels. It feels like we're giving a bit back, and mm. I like that because we get all the comments that say, you know, you've helped me with this, you've helped me with that. I never even thought of that you've opened my eyes which you know the guy that helped me unfortunately he died fairly young which is you know makes me a little bit sad every time I think about it but he opened my eyes so he I don't know how many people he did it for it might have been just me and he didn't even know he was doing it mm. um, now we're doing it hopefully to millions you know well I mean you have what seven million on your TikTok now? Seven million on TikTok, that's, two million on YouTube. That's it, unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Do you something three in? Because actually, I remember we met on Clubhouse. I don't know if you remember we that did. initially. Yeah. And you were just blowing up then on TikTok. Yeah, you funny, know, with, wasn't it? Yeah, with your wigs on yeah. and all this stuff. 
And I remember just like bringing you up and when you were chatting and I was literally about TikTok, I'm like, isn't it amazing how someone, you know, with all respect, men in their 50s yeah. can go on TikTok, blow up and teach all this next generation, all these sort of tips around hmm. money and finance. And the thing that got me on Clubhouse in particular was everyone was always going on about how you've got to be able to monetize this, sorry, on, on Clubhouse, sorry. Mm. Uh, you've got to be able to monetize it. Why aren't we getting paid for everything we're putting on there? And I, I kept saying to, well, until I got fed up with it, that <laughs> you know, you've got to give more value. You, you've got to give the value if you want to receive value in return. Mm. Uh, and a lot of them weren't. <laughs> it yeah, just ended yeah. up being a a discussion about why they weren't earning money. And I thought, well, we can put that to one side. I know you did very well on Clubhouse, didn't you? Mm. You were hosting all sorts of different shows and yeah. always giving something away. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that was helping you out very well, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, I've, I feel a bit... So yes is the answer. I spent a lot of time on Clubhouse and I became, like, I think, about the 80th most followed person on Clubhouse. And yeah, you know, I was get, I was putting a lot of time into that, Mark. I was putting five, six, sometimes eight hours a day, giving a lot of value. And then I started thinking, well, I'll tell you what happened, honestly, because um, I didn't think I gave, did any giveaways for a while. Mm. And I thought, what if this dies tomorrow? Because mm. Facebook, I'd, I'd done really well on Facebook before Clubhouse. And then I don't know, an algorithm change or a shadow ban or yeah. anything can just change overnight. Of course. And I thought, I've got, Three, nearly 300,000 followers. And what if tomorrow that all goes? So I thought, you've, you've got, got to, to get be smart them, You've here. got to get them to a seminar exactly. or something. Well, and- I just had a, a toolkit, which I still have up there, where people can, 35 ways to, to save and make money. And, mm. you know, I was getting tens of thousands of people to go from Clubhouse to my email database. And, yeah, do some Zooms. And then, because at least if they register for a Zoom, I, I've got their contact details. I'm really glad I did that because Clubhouse is not the same. Mm. Um, and if you look at TikTok now, you know, you you timed it just right. It was just a bit late. <laughs> there was no timing ah. to this. I mean, the, the story of TikTok was we were already on YouTube and I'd just come back from China. This was just prior to COVID. Mm. And um, everyone was on TikTok, all the equivalent out there. And I said yeah. to my son, look, you know, this is a new thing. It's absolutely nuts. They are glued to it. We ought to be on it. He said, well, I don't want you dancing on any rubbish it let, it let you to have the It let you have the wig, though, didn't it? Well, <laughs> that, was, that was actually, again, that was one of my things because I said, look, how are people going to differentiate between the teacher talking to the, mm. to the student or whatever the situation may be or the skit may be that we're doing? And I said, really, we've got to get some wigs. We've got to get some different T-shirts yeah. and caps and all this sort of thing. But it worked, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did work. It worked. Yeah, I mean, different. a lot of people copied you doing that style, oh, absolutely, didn't Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I see that, and it did work. But you say, oh, it wasn't about timing. But this is, this is why I think it's good to have a global view, if you can. Because, you know, you went out to China, and you saw it just a bit before it really did pop off. Because mm. it was actually a chap called Lewis Howes that told me to go on Clubhouse. I was in, sorry, TikTok. I was on a Clubhouse room with him. And again, he was a bit before me. And I think he had maybe, a, you know a million followers mm. or something. He's like, this, this is crazy. The reach is mad. 
but it's not the same now. Mm. I don't know. Are you, are you finding the growth the same as in the early days? Or uh, the growth slowed? isn't the same, but obviously you can get bangers on there. We just done one recently and it, it went off very well. But we're so saying by things, banger, you mean you still get really good engagement oh, and lots yeah. of views? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. the, the thing you said about going to China as well, that's another thing I, I try and say to youngsters is, you know, invest in a plane ticket and yeah, go travel. somewhere because travel is an amazing thing. Mm. Um, I mean, I traveled to China and that developed one of my businesses is you know like overnight through mm. the roof um because of the contacts you meet i went on a trip to california it was free yeah. i'd done it on my uh, credit card air miles me and the wife went out there and we thought we'd bump into someone i knew so we drove from la to san francisco where his business was just below a place called mill peters knocked on the door and before we knew it we'd signed a deal with them to bring all their stuff in and represent them in the uk mm. so uh, i always say travel because travel will broaden your horizons mm. and you'll always learn something from traveling and that's not necessarily just going on holiday it's going away and seeing yeah. how that part of the country or the part of the world works you know mm. it's very important i think yeah i agree so um how did you build basically 10 million plus followers on social media i mean if you put your instagram youtube and tiktok that must be the the glorious 10. Yeah, it's around about that. I there think. you go. And, I mean, you, yeah. well, as you know, in any business, and you've got to say this is now a business, you've got to have a good team. And I have a very, very good team. I have uh, a son called Curtis, who most people will mm. recognize the name. And uh, he really knows his stuff. Yeah. But it, it, it's like everything, isn't it? Some people always well a lot of people say you know you, you're lucky when you're in business you know the, you, you got lucky and that's all there was to it but I always think of the analogy of Pete and John when they were learning to surf you know Pete would go out every single day and surf every single wave be it big or be it small and John would go oh waves aren't very big today oh, I won't bother and you know come the day where the big wave came that John was waiting for that massive hit that he was going to ride all the way home Pete popped up on it, rode all the way home, looked back, and John had fallen off. Yeah, because he was ready. Yeah. So it's taking all those little um, things all the way along, all those opportunities, you know, all those little tiny things, and then when those big opportunities come along, you're ready to take them. Yeah. And I think, you know, in business particularly, you know, preparation is what it's all about. You know, there's no, no such thing really as luck. Preparation, no. you know, gets you ready for opportunity. Yeah. Do you remember your first really viral video? Um, yeah. Well, the, the, the big best one was a live story. And we right. did it like um, trying to um, love actually. It was a similar thing with the cards and the sad music mm. and then disaster and <laughs> yeah. then gradually getting to the end. And the engagement we had from it was amazing. Right. We had people uh, posting videos of themselves watching the video in tears. Right. You know, and then, yeah. then sort of, oh, elation at the end and good for you and mm. all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that was our first viral TikTok. And yeah. I think that was a lot, I mean, 10 million plus, I wow. think. We've had 20 million and so on. But, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's quite amazing, isn't it? I yeah. mean, I struggle to to imagine that number of people i don't know about yourself i mean i can i can i say this to a lot of people i can imagine a hundred thousand people because i can see wembley in my, if i think about wembley i think oh that's a hundred thousand people wow that's a lot of people but once you get beyond that 10 million is a country <laughs> yeah. it's mental yeah 
Yeah, and then you then you extrapolate that as well as to how many people have actually viewed that haven't subscribed or aren't following, and then it's a hundred million, and then how many views have you had? You know, a billion plus views mm. on TikTok, wow. and you think, you know, that that is mad, isn't it? Really? And yeah. then you walk around London like we were um, last week. We were up in. Um, uh, up there for a podcast and uh, this guy in a van beeped the horn he's waving out the window and yeah well he might be waving to me so we turn around and go, hi how you doing sort of thing yeah. and carried on and then on your instagram later it's, oh i saw you in london today great that you wave back to your fans and yeah oh, yeah it's amazing isn't it yeah really i i think it's very cool very humbling and let's say you were going to start again in business you've got your 35 years experience yeah but the world has changed and, yeah and maybe you wouldn't do manual stuff anymore what would you do would you do social media content be a creator would you do what you're doing now i think um digital content is amazing now isn't it and um if you're that way minded i think the world is absolutely your oyster i don't think enough people possibly realize that particularly youngsters at the moment um but digital digital products are fantastic mm. i mean I, i've always been physical products you know that's been my business all my life so i've always got the problem of how much do i order um the cost of it the importation of it and all the rest of it well your digital product it may well take you two or three years or whatever it is to produce that digital product you're never out of stock are you you haven't got to think about how much you've got to order. Um, if you're able to adapt it and change it to the changing times, it will sell forever mm. or certainly for a long period of time. I think that's a, an amazing way to go. And I'd mm. love to do that. I'd love to do it with a business partner. It, you know, that I think for me would make a lot of difference. Someone that's uh, less risk avert for sure, because there are certain gambles along the way. And what I'd always say, I'm not a gambler. I'll take a chance. I, I don't really have too much problem spending my business money on a calculated chance. But sometimes you want a gambler there as well to a certain mm. degree, really to push that last little bit out of you. Yeah. And if you had, say, let's say you're going to just invest 10 grand, where would you put that kind of money? Um, if you're saying, what, is me starting again? I was back to 16 with my knowledge or 18? Or... You've got your knowledge and that 10 grand is not your last 10 grand. It's not oh, your right. only 10 grand in the world. You're going to invest it. Because I think if it's your only 10 grand, you might use it to start a business, for example. Well, if it was but... my only 10 grand, let, let's say it was that. It was your only 10 grand and you were... Uh, back to 18 um i would invest that in in learning as much as i could and right. however i could spend it in a knowledgeable way yeah um i would probably also do that working for someone else because i'm a firm believer in when you're young you want to work for as many people as you mm. possibly can because if you actively work for a lot of smaller businesses you can learn how those businesses operate and work you don't have to work there necessarily very very long i think you should work there very hard this mm. quiet quitting is not the way to go no. you should be there working your what's it's off and if there's 10 employees to that company you you can very easily work out how that business runs and take a list of all the good things but also take a list of all the bad things mm. and the reason you take a list of all the bad things is because they're the things you should be able to do better and if you can do those better when you decide to start up a business or do your own thing you take those and you improve upon those mm. and you deliver great value to a vast number of people particularly with a digital product mm. yeah I, I think something this is a bit forgotten because back in our day mark there was work experience and it was <laughs> somewhat normal to 
work your way up through a company. And now it's almost like, well, if you're an employee, you're a loser or, or someone who is just quite happy to be employed. Yeah. Or you're an entrepreneur. But there's this bit in the middle, this massive bit in the middle where you could go and find an entrepreneur who's got a 20 or a 50 million pound business. Yeah. That sort of person, you're probably going to be able to have a couple of meetings with a month, especially yeah. if you show a bit of va-va-voom and get yeah. up and go. And like you said, you're going to learn so much more working from them than you are working for Amazon because you're never going to get anywhere near the top. No, you'll learn to pack a box. Yeah. And then you'll learn to pack a box quicker, then quicker, then quicker until you've had enough and you've got to get out because you can't stand it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you might have made a bit of money and paid your rent, but what have you learned? Nothing. And surely it's better. I mean, I like to learn while you earn. Yeah, this is this is very key. I think it's a, an amazing thing. And this is why I don't like all this net worth talk. I understand why people are interested in net worth. But at the end of the day, if you're um, a youngster that's earned 10 million off of a Bitcoin that's gone to the moon, mm. um, uh, you know, what have you actually learned? Now, are you better because you've got 10 million in the bank than someone that's done 10 years and they've, they've earned 5 million well, the guy that's earned five million over ten years, got he's skills. he's got skills. He if he lost all that, he could replicate that, no problem at all. Mm. And probably in a shorter period of time. If he doesn't lose it, he's gonna grow from that as well. Whereas yeah. a guy that's just got it, shortcutted his way to it, or even lottery win to it, whatever the case may be, that is gonna be an ever decreasing amount of money and you can never replicate that. Mm. So I think learning these skills, yeah. is, and I also think that trades are very, very underrated. Right. Um, I think a lot of trades are in a lot of money now. I think that um, there's a lot of people that could go into the trades and then be running these businesses. Yes. And I think so they start been, on the tools, they exactly. get off the tools and run the business. And they've yeah. been lost to the university system, which right. is the next one on from school that beats the last little tiny bit of entrepreneurship out of you that you yeah. possibly got. Because that the only reason to go to university is going to into, into an institutional style job. You're not... If you go to university to become an entrepreneur, yeah. well, it, I don't think they can teach that. No. I, I can't see how you teach that. There's no way to teach entrepreneurs. No, I don't think so. And if you look at some of the tutors in the, the arena of business in the system, how much actual on-the-ground experience do they have? They're generally not a lot. No. <laughs> Oh. And you pay a lot of money for the privilege yes, as well. Yes, you do. You and you have a massive load of debt. Massive debt. And they go, oh, well, student debt doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't you know, matter. of course it matters. And it's yeah. not all on student loans either, is no. it? You'll so get your accommodation, loan. your living expenses. Exactly. And it takes you a long, long time to, to pay that off. I, mm. I, I'm sure I saw a stat a little while ago that um, a plumber will earn up to the age of 37. That's the point that a doctor can overtake him. On wow. earnings, it's something like that. That's I, I don't, mad. don't absolutely quote mm. me on that, but it's a quite a long period, yeah. and that's if he just remains a, a plumber on the tools doing mm. his general job. But then, if you had a plumber, they're, they're hard to get, and they're a lot of money, aren't they? Well, there you go, and now b build a plumbing business. Then <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the Bible, this fascinates me. I'd love to talk to you about this. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Do you agree with that? No. No, I don't at all, no. I don't think money is the root of all evil at all. I think that's another thing that's said to suppress you and keep you down like never a lender or a borrower be. I mean, it's all it's all there to suppress you and uh, stop you uh, trying to gain more. Mm. And uh, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's all about control, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, whether you're religion or not, 
religious or not, you know, these are stories, aren't they, that are told yeah. to us to, yeah. to make us believe things. Um, it always fascinates me that people think money is evil. Yeah. Well, what, why is money evil? Well, it's I mean, money is a tool. Yeah. That's all, all money is. Money is a tool to, to, to get you to where you want to go. Mm. And ultimately, I believe the tool is to get you freedom that you want. Um, I would say that although I'm not retired, um, I would say I sort of retired at about 30 in a way because I think from the age of about 28, 29, I had enough that I was free. You know, if I wanted to stop, I could stop. Yeah. You know, I'd have to sustain that same lifestyle, which wasn't in my dreams. My yeah. dreams were further. Um, but I think once you've got that freedom to be able to say no, I don't need to do what you want me to do. I can do my own thing. I mm. think, you know, that's a great place to be. But again, that takes you away from being that cog in the machine, doesn't it? Mm. Because you are no longer that. And that's what they need. Yeah, they do. They need their taxes. Yeah. They need their, their interest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think, Mark, I want to take you deeper, but you did earlier say this is about as, yeah. as, as deep as you'll go. Um, what upsets you about money? I know we've covered some stuff, but is there anything else that upsets you um, around money and, and how it's perceived? I, I think one of the things, and it came up today actually in a, in a conversation, is... Um, people that don't think they're being paid enough for the job they do and they don't want to really do that job because they don't think they're getting paid enough so they're sort of quiet quitting I, I absolutely hate that part of money and the problem is and you know I might get lambasted for this or whatever but you know the minimum wage everyone gets the at least the minimum wage now if you're doing some jobs and i'm talking really menial jobs then you're not earning that money you're having to be paid that money and i think that's wrong because what it means is some people are earning more than that aren't necessarily or, or want to earn more or worth more can't be earned that because it's particularly in a small business it brings it all to that common you know uh, minimum wage or living wage and i i do hate that about money because yeah, we're not in control of the inflation, are we? The inflation goes through the roof. We have to pay at least the minimum wage. I mean, obviously we pay more than that to some, but you've got to pay at least that. And that's what I don't like about money. And I also think that people think their money's safe in a building society or bank. They look at it and they, they, they see it going up by a small amount. They don't see it going down. You know, if, if it was truthful, it should have the value of your money written there this is the value of your money and you know that you should see it incrementally going down like 10 percent this year at least 10 percent mm. last year at least but you don't you see the same figure there so you're sort of almost being bluffed into thinking oh it's safe there so i don't want to take a risk with my money elsewhere but the real story is you are taking a risk you're agreeing to taking well, it's not even a risk. You're agreeing to lose money by leaving it there. Mm. And that's that's a bit sad, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. I mean, I've always thought that the minimum you have to do when you protect your money is you have to beat inflation. Yeah. And people don't understand that. Yeah. And I agree with you. I mean, I think since lockdown, it's been double digit the last three years when yeah. you add it all up. Yeah. And so that is <laughs> a third of your money. Mm. 
in value has gone down. But like you said, you don't see it because you think you've still got the same yeah. savings, but you haven't. Yeah. So your first goal surely has got to be to beat the inflation rate so that at the very least your money isn't going down. But if, okay, interest rates are going up, but they're still lower than inflation. But mm. back in the day, just three years ago, inflation was over 10 mm. and interest rates were under half. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely mad. But I mean, so. I, I bet you if you asked, I bet you if you walk down the street, even in some affluent areas and you ask nine, 10 people, what's inflation? Mm. I bet you only one or two of them can get it right. Well, the, the problem again is, I mean, I, I don't watch the news. I think the news is very depressing and I won't watch it. And there's no need to because anything of any real importance I need to know, I will find out mm. and it'll come my way one way or another. Um, but, when the news does say things like about inflation, it's like, yeah, inflation's come down. Fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Everyone's inflation's come down. Yeah, but it's still 8.5% or 9.5%. You know, it's not come down to where it was. It's not negative. It's not gone the other way. So you can recap some of what you had. Mm. It's still up there, guys. Come on, you know, report it properly. It should be inflation still 9%. It's not good enough. The government should be doing something to retract that back down. And why are they putting up interest rates to do that when really that's, I don't think it's the tool. It's very, very crude tool for bringing down inflation. Yeah, you see, we're in this weird position, which we never should be, where you've got relatively high inflation and increasing interest rates. And if interest rates are supposed to be the tool that suppresses inflation, well, if they'd have started raising rates five or six years ago, much more gently, they probably could have controlled the big whoop in inflation. And if they hadn't locked down the country, that's a a whole other thing. But shortage of supply is also running the inflation up of course so which was you caused know. by lockdown <laughs> so brexit wh- so why are you yeah. making everyone suffer that's borrowing for their business to help make the country yeah. great borrowing for their house yeah. to make their family secure. How, how many repos are going to happen now people are paying minimum seven percent a year there you go on their mortgages and you know i'm like i don't mind a property crash because i'm an investor but if i was a homeowner and all of a sudden, my mortgage is double because my interest rate's gone up from 2% to 7%. And I think about giving the keys back and going and renting somewhere cheaper. That's not a nice thing. No. And that, that has happened. Do you know, the rates have gone up 14 times in the last, what, not even a year? Or, or you know, since they started going up. To me, that's outrageous. Yeah. And, you, and what's, you know, they kick the can down the road by like, oh, well, let's just try and get get everything bad under the back door from 2008 and just kick the can down the road and down the road and down the road and down the road. And a new politician, a new Bank of England, a governor or prime minister comes in and they're like, well, well we, like you said, they've only got four years. Yeah. So why are they going to care about where the market's going to be in 10 years? So they're just printing a load of money. Printing a load of money. which if, And that's been going on since we got out of pretty much the gold. Well, it's going on well, before since, that. Since the seven, early yeah, 70s, certainly yeah. when we got out of the gold standard. Well, I so. think money's worth a seventh of what it was back yeah. then. But gold is worth exponentially more. Yeah. So, yeah, like for anyone listening, if they don't know what money printing is, it is devaluing your money. Mm. And what's their solution to their... Oh, by the way, here's another thing. When, when the interest rates go up, so does the national debt. Because they're, you know, they've got... 30 trillion yeah in national make, debt make believe money there you go it's a debt so if that if they were paying two percent on that and now they're paying six percent on that where are they going to get that extra interest from 
us in tax or yeah. they're going to erode it away with inflation. Mm. Well, they'll is, try and erode it away with inflation, they won't they? So, you know, they can say we're trying to knock inflation down, but actually inflation for the national debt is sort of not a bad thing no. for them. Well, here's one thing I will say that I learned. And um, as a property owner, you'll probably know this. and Most people don't know this, but um, obviously if you have money, inflation is bad. But if you have good debt against property, inflation actually helps you. Mm. So I've got... 340 properties my mortgages are worth tens of millions of pounds and the, the government were wiping three four million pounds a year off the relative value of my mortgages they were writing it off their own debt they mm. didn't care about my mortgages but as inflation is 10 percent, it's also yeah. devaluing my mortgage of 10 course. by 10 yeah. so this is another reason why maybe owning your own house especially if in times of high inflation can be quite good because the government inadvertently yeah helping help you pay your debt down yeah. People won't see it that way because obviously they just see the interest rate go up and it being more of an amount that they're paying. But no, it's certainly they true. won't. And back then yeah. rates were low. Mm. But um, this is, you know, in my book, when it comes out next year, Money Matrix, I want to awaken people that actually, because if you think about it, I don't know what you think about this, Mark. Fiat currency is quite a smart invention. And money, I mean, I reckon money's up there with the wheel in terms of, Great invention. How great an invention mm. is. But the problem is you have the dual use paradox. Whereby, I mean, the Gatling gun, for example, was made by, I think, Robert Gatling. And he actually designed it with good intentions so that you've got one gun. So your, your 10 guys in the front line didn't have to be there. Yeah. Give that Gatling gun to a terrorist. Yeah. And all of a sudden it becomes. And I think money is a great tool. And I think the fiat currency system, or it's unsustainable, really smart invention and has upsides if you know how to be free and play the game. But of course, in, the problem is it's in the wrong hands, isn't it? Controlled mm. by the wrong people. And where do you see the world currency going? Do you see it staying with the USA and the US dollar? Or do you see it going elsewhere? Um, well, Ray Dalio thinks that China will take the global reserve currency at some point. If you look back through history over thousands of years, you can track... Yeah, in, of course. The British pound was obviously the yeah. reserve currency for a while. before that. Yeah, so... It, oh, in the in the end, will US you lose the reserve currency status? Of course they will. But it's how long they can carry on. It is, and it? It, yeah. And when they lose it, I think they'll absolutely drop through the floor. Yeah. I mean, do you it, think it's going to be China then that will get the next reserve? Uh, well, currency? it could be, or it could be a cryptocurrency. It you never know. Be. At that point, it might yeah. well be the way to go. Because I mean, the, the global reserve currency equals power, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, you look at the UK. The UK was pretty broke in about 70, 76. Yeah. You know, it's only North Sea oil, from what I understand, that really kept us afloat and right. our banking system. Um, so what's America going to have? Yeah. Well, they can't be the global superpower forever. No. Because every empire falls in the end. Yeah. I mean, for the world, I hope it's not a communist regime, personally, mm. being being an entrepreneur. Um, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, as I say, I travel to China quite a lot, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs that do very, very well in China. Really? Oh, very much so, yeah. So and they, they don't get everything taken from them. Like well, we're led, it Because maybe there's some propaganda going on. Of course there is, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't have um, – do I have any friends that hate the system out there? I would say I don't have anyone that I uh, now know and are in contact with that don't like the system that they're working within out there. They are right. quite happy. Yeah. I have one that is always 
he's not so much a friend more an acquaintance he has always been a very european sort of chinese person mm. so much so when you go into his factory all his offices are like european rooms right yeah that's how much yeah. he loves europe and he wants to move to europe but all the rest are quite happy with the system they're working within and there are advantages to that system so mm. You know, we're taught well, no that, system is perfect. No, we're taught that uh, the democratic system is the way to be. But is that because they want everyone to be a democratic system so they can sell to them, so they can trade with them, so that they can have mm. what they want from them and control them in whatever way they want? Because they can't control a communist state. No. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, and what we got now really isn't really isn't what we think it is, is it? It's, well, the, the, I mean, whatever capitalism is is not what we've got in Britain. Yeah. I can't imagine it is either in many states in America. Mm. Um, I mean, I wrote in my book about credit, creditism maybe we're in now. I think that's or, what it should be called. Yeah, it's not capitalism. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely criticism because, you know, everyone's up to their eyeballs. Yeah. You know, and once you get on that train, you, you're sort of stuck, aren't you? You're on a spiral that mm. you're not really going to get out of. Yeah. As an individual, you've got to do something pretty different to what's gone before you. Yeah. And that's breaking that mold again, isn't it, that we talked about earlier? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, not wanting to champion the older generation um, like ourselves, Mark, but, you know, when I started in business and my mentors were 60 and 70 and I was fortunate enough, I opened the door. I tried. It wasn't they didn't fall on my lap, but I got James Kahn as a mentor from Dragon's Den and Andres Paniotto, the billionaire. I think it's really important if you if you want to think about being a business owner and making good decisions. You want somebody who's been through a couple of cycles, yeah, and who's seen it, yeah. Because I can see some really close traits now to two thousand and eight in yeah. terms of house prices, for example. Because yeah. I've gone through that whole cycle. Yeah. Do you think that's important to study people who've got a bit of experience and history? I, I think all the lessons are to be had from the past. The, the unfortunate thing is, I think governments don't take those lessons. No, we just repeat them. And we just <laughs> the repeat things. the same thing time after time. Yeah. Um, and that's for various other reasons that we've spoken about. But I think as individuals, you can learn those lessons. And if you, as long as you don't just forget about them. I mean, most people go through life on consumer mode. They don't realise they're on consumer mode. No. They've got. They should be trying to be more a producer mm. than 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 consuming. And to to be honest, if they could just knock that gauge along a bit towards the producer than the consumer, they would be so much better off. But, mm. you know, they just go through life that way and yeah. that's all there is to it, really. And if it's, there isn't that much incentive to produce... Well, that's the other thing. I think I think there's always an incentive to to produce and be your own boss and go for it. it it's, it's when you start earning a little bit more that you get clobbered, mm. really clobbered. So will Mark and Curtis Tilbury be in Dubai in 10 years' time? Mark Tilbury won't. um, because Curtis might. Curtis might, Mm. but Mark Tilbury won't because, one, I love the country. Secondly, I think there's work for me to do here. Um, If I finish doing everything I'm doing, I will still do something that gives back because I enjoy that very much. And um, when I was working you know, early on in my early years, I lost my social network of friends. And 
um, for the last 10 years or so, I've been trying to recapture that and make new friends. And I've got some very, very nice social groups now mm. that I really enjoy. And of all the things I would miss by moving, yeah. it's those friendships, be it at the golf course, at the... I race model aeroplanes. Mm, you yeah. um, and and ca- you're a bit of a race. You race cars well. As I well. used to race yeah. cars, but now I sponsor a, a very good driver called Jake Hill. Right. Um, so I'm a, a little part of that jigsaw puzzle, a very small part yeah. of it, but I love being a part of it. And, you know, my racing friends and, and the skiing. Mm. Yeah, I, I just love all of that, that that is there. And you might find that as you Well, I've get got my kids older. and my parents are still here. Yeah. And that's, that's what's keeping me here. My yeah. kids well, are Well, my settled. parents are still here. So well, there you go. They're doing well. Which is great. And that would be sad to go and leave another country and to not see them. Well, I said to my sister, she left for Australia. And I said to her at the time, I said, well, you might only see mum and dad once five more times well, yeah that yeah in their whole life yeah yeah because you're not going to come back here for a year years. that's this is a good point mark yeah two years might be two times or, or four once. times yeah you just don't know no you don't and that that that's pretty scary yeah when you got a family and all that sort of thing yeah so, and that's why it's always harder to make those leaps as mm. you get older isn't it because yeah. you've got these ties yeah kids are a big one mortgages are another big one so mm. if you can avoid those for a little while as i say to my son you know you know you're welcome to live here for as long as you want yeah um we've actually bought built out the north wing and so oh, he nice. has his own area yeah. of the house so oh, it's easy good. for him um yeah. but i always say to others if you can live at home and put up with it i know it's not easy parents yeah, always you, you, seem you like, work together you've figured it exactly. out haven't you it's yeah. figureoutable yeah and if, if other youngsters do that and just build their empire up to the time they're 30 forget mm. about all these things that attract you and you want to spend money on and all that sort of stuff for as long as you can yeah and then you really are an attractive person so mm. be it a, a girl or a boy it makes no odds you know yeah you're, you're setting yourself up. Mm. Do you think that money can make you happy? Uh, no, I think you. Um, I don't think money makes you happy in any way, shape, or form. It gives you freedom. If you're a miserable person, you'll be miserable without money, and you'll be miserable with money. Um, I think you've got to be um, happy along the journey. I mean, mm. I, I always say it's the journey is is what it's all about, not the destination. Um, and I don't think the destination is that great in most things. I mean, I fought for years to be British model helicopter champion. The journey was fantastic, and once you did it, it was like, oh, well, that was a bit easy compared mm. with the rest you know what was that all about you know and then you get the blues about it because you you you, you lose your way or what you want to do or mm. or what you're pushing towards so i think happiness is definitely the journey um i think there's a myth around happiness i i don't think you know <laughs> people want to be happy all the time don't they, they think, oh, i want to be happy oh, mm. i've got this i've got to be really happy well you you can't be happy all the time, can you? Because no. if you're happy all the time, then There's you're no probably <laughs> you're probably on something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'll have no other emotions. Yeah. So, what's going to give you your drive? I, I have no idea. Mm. You know, you, you've got to go through a whole range of things. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to be angry. You got to be frustrated. It, it, they're all important yeah. things. You can't be happy nonstop, but you can be happy at points, and you can be happy with the journey you're on. Mm. I think. And this is a good thing, Mark. This is a good point. I just want to talk about this because um, I think this whole the goal of life is happiness thing is a bit of a delusion. Yeah. And actually, if your life isn't going that well, and you could do more, being angry with yourself quite mobilizing yes it is you want to be happy if you've messed your life up Mm. so a bit of frustration and anger i mean even at times jealousy and envy because i saw mel robbins say something i thought was very wise 
Um, but she said, all jealousy is, is desire. Mm. And I thought, yeah, you're right. I don't want to admit that, but I'm mm. right. Because I would never be jealous of something you've got that I don't mm. want. I can only be jealous of something you've got that I do want. Mm. And if you've got it and I want it, that's called desire. But jealousy can only be turned into desire if you're going to do something about it. Yeah, so mo- the mobilization yeah. of that emotion. So if you don't take yeah. action, which generally speaking is in every single problem. video I yeah, make, yeah. take action. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe, you know, take all this information and education and everything for as long as you need to. But at some point, mm. for it to work, you can't just stand in the front of the mirror and go, I'm great. <laughs> You've got to make yourself great. You've got to take action to get to that stage. Yeah. And if you're not willing to take action, then jealousy will eat you up. Yeah. Whereas looking at it the other way is a nicer way to go, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've off-put buying things because I think they're top of the hill, you know, through my life. I mean, I, I, I've got a different way of living and spending now to what I had even two or three years ago. I mean, I try and make every year of my life slightly better. So, you know, all the things that you really dislike within your life, you can make them better, can't you? Like one springs to mind because I just booked it the other day. But when we go on a holiday, I absolutely hate coach transfers. So you go to the private car transfer and you think, well, actually that takes quite a long time sometimes, doesn't it? So the next stage now is helicopter transfer mm. so we've done that a couple of times now and now it's sort of like well, do you know what that's so much better yeah. and you know we a four hour transfer on the next holiday we've booked that's eight hours that's a whole day that's mm. a working day you're just traveling there and traveling back you go i think it's 30 minutes by helicopter yeah and then you've got another day haven't you yeah more experiences yeah and life's about experiences mm. you know the more money you can spend on experiences the better really because mm. that's all you're left with yeah and experiences last forever mm. Mm. would you rather have two million pounds <laughs> cash on this table or five million extra followers on your social media and why um it's very hard to put a value on social media followers um if I could help those extra 5 million social million followers, uh, 5 million social media followers, then I'll take that because, you know, that's, I'm not really after the money. Is that the right thing to say? I like money, uh, but I'm not really after it. So, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the follow as long as I can help. Mm. I don't want them just for the sake of, oh, yeah, I like that one video. I'll click on it and I'll follow. Yeah, so let's assume then they're engaged yeah. in if your If they're work. engaged, yeah, yeah, I'll take that any day of the week because I, I enjoy that side of things and that yeah. would be great. And if mm. it's on the YouTube, uh, the Mark Tilbury channel, then obviously that's more in, that they're more engaged on there than, say, on TikTok, for example, yeah. and we can really put some good value stuff out there. Mm. You know, and it's free for them to watch as well. Mm. And, you know, it's, uh, I love the comments. I, I answer as many as I can, as you probably know, so much. Isn't there? <laughs> yeah. I haven't got a PA doing it or or anyone. It, it literally is me answering those questions. And I do answer a lot of them. I mm. generally do it before I go to bed or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you can only answer so many, can't you? Yeah, so um, we're actively searching for a way where we can help the more serious guys out there that want to go into business mm. and want a little bit of help. Um, so well, as in maybe investing in them or um yeah possibly a bit of angel investing um and also maybe a bit more mentoring it's very difficult to um differentiate those that are really having a go and those that are saying they're having a go and i don't want 
I don't know how you feel about this, but if you offer some help and some advice and you're freely offering that, if it's taken up and you can see the results, you, you spend loads of time with them, wouldn't yeah. you? Really happy to. And when they don't, you go, ooh, yeah, all well, right, whatever, don't ask. Yeah. Well, that is one problem with free is it's not valued, is yes. it? Yes. You know, yeah. how do you find a way to have someone value what you say? I mm. think that's a challenge because obviously I own a big training company. Yeah. You know, and our fees are sometimes, you know, fairly significant. Yeah. And I don't have any guilt around that because it creates accountability and they value something that they pay for. Um, if I could give everything away for free, I probably would as long as I was okay and yeah. I had a good life. Well, I, I always think take a look at the NHS, one of our great institutions in this country. Okay. Used to be. Well, it's underfunded. Yeah. So, you know, but... I often think if they invoiced every single person that came through their door for the cost of the service that they've had, and then they go, "Oh, UK passport? Yes, sir. We'll we'll write that off for you. That's uh, that's one hundred and fifty-two thousand pounds. Yep, that, yep. You get that for free, sir. Mm. Congratulations, you're a UK citizen. That would be valued so much more than well, it's free, isn't it? Yeah, you know." And they don't see the cost. No, they don't. They should. You should at least see the cost. Yeah of you know even your prescription you know you, i get so I, I say i get so many i've been down to the the prescription office a couple of times with various <laughs> things that have gone wrong in the last year or so and the people might oh god so much for a prescription and you know what they're picking up you know there could be 200 pounds worth of pills in that bag for nine quid i think the prescription is yeah. you know if they knew that I think it'd make a huge difference to the way we think of our system and how great, grateful we should be to have that. Mm. So in addition to everything we've said, is there anything, one thing that you think is wrong with the world that you'd like to change? Oh, dear, oh, dear. One thing I'd like to change with the world. Um, I might have to come back on you on that. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your biggest regret? Um, right, you're going to love this one. I didn't see Freddie Mercury live right that's quite a regret yeah um i didn't continue to play football when i left school which i would have loved to have done but thought i had to go to work and do the nine to five thing and mm. didn't really realize i could have done that and as i've mentioned before probably not having um a partner within my business and knowing how important that was mm. because i lost the guy that could have helped me more if he'd have stuck yeah when his fault he didn't stick around it'd yeah. be 80 odd now no right. maybe a bit more than that you know just like yeah. you said about your guys that helped you um and you know i i i missed that and i didn't have the knowledge i suppose to go and look for it elsewhere i just fought a load of fights along the way yeah. and it was a school of hard knocks mm. do you have anything you regard as maybe your greatest failure um, not really, um, because I generally look back and uh, it, it's a, this is a bit of a problem as well, because I forget about the failure, but take the lesson. Um, and it's similar on golf. I'll forget I played a bad shot and I'll get to, okay, that's four. And they go, no, it's five. I went, oh yeah, of course I had a bad shot. But <laughs> because I try and forget the bad. Right. So you know, nothing plays on my mind as a failure because I just try and take the lesson from it. Mm. So, for example, you know, I've taken that golf shot, I've mucked it up. I know why I've mucked it up. So I've learned that lesson and then forgotten that I did it. Yeah. And I think it's the same within uh, business. I do try and say there's no failure. I mean, I did, 
I did open up a business in Europe, which didn't do particularly well, but I chose the wrong people to help me front it up. But I didn't lose any money, really, mm. not in real terms, scheme no. of things. So I wouldn't say I have any failure. No. Certainly a lot of things I'd have done differently along the way. But like not, not anything failing. major you'd do differently? I'd invest more. Yeah. A lot, lot more. And I would have done even more with property, without right. a doubt. Property, and you're going to love this because it's right up your street, but property is a very, very, very safe, in my view, investment that's, um, you know, it, it's a very tangible, physical mm. thing. You know, you can drive past the properties you own, which yeah. I do on a semi-regular basis, as I'm sure you do, and you have a little look, go, yeah, that's, my, ooh, that's mine. <laughs> oh, look at that, that's good. Um, and I, I would have done more of that um had i think my father made me um more of a saver than uh than uh go get it and i've had to learn it all through that stage of being in business and learning to invest it 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 would be nice to have had it straight away and that's why i feel that i'm giving from this channel particularly to the youngsters mm. um the other comment we get is why don't you teach us 40 year olds or 30 year olds how to invest and I always say, look, it's the same lessons. Yeah. Well, you, most people who follow you in their yeah. 20s then. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. we have sort of like very much 18 to 28 is a very big band. Right. Um, but it's still the same advice. You know, if you want to sit under a shady tree and you haven't got a tree, plant it today. Mm. You know, it's no point hanging around thinking, you know, is the soil better this year or is it better next year? You know, get those seeds in the ground because... Mm. You, you, you've got to get going really you know I, I was very lucky as i say with my mentor he said look you know you've got to do 10 percent of your savings into into a pension stroke sip or whatever you want to call it some form of package and i did that from the moment i turned 18 right without that advice i probably wouldn't have done and then i wouldn't have looked further when i was looking for more because i'd have got to 25 or 28 then look to do that so that then would have pushed the can further down the road before you start looking at other investments so i think um you know with your eyes open that's a great thing and what would be nice is if schools put in place a half hour lesson once a week of learning about personal finance you know, it, it wouldn't take much time up, no. would it? And it would make those people at least aware, even if they don't want to make that choice. At the moment, you could leave school at 18 and really not be aware of anything to do with investing, anything to do with how to look after your money. Mm. Um, but that would at least be like, well, you are aware of it. Now it's your choice if you do anything. And I think they're not giving that choice. No. And that's fallen to people like myself to go, blimey, they're still not teaching it. Let's get it out there. Yeah. So this show is called Disruptors. Mm. What does the word disruptive mean to you? Um, well, I think disruptive, I mean, one, some of the best things to describe real disruptive business would be like people like Uber and Just Eats and all Airbnb. these sort of people. Yeah. yeah, where you take a... You know, people think if they go into business, they got to reinvent the wheel for some reason. This is the bit I don't really understand. They feel they've got to reinvent the wheel, come up with something completely new, completely mind-blowing, and they've got to know everything about business before they start, um, and they've got to have all the funding behind them. I told I couldn't possibly start because I ain't got any of that or I haven't got one of those aspects. Whereas, you know, most people in business, you know, for, particularly in the first few years, they're winging it, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> you know, they're learning on the job, yeah. learning as they go. And, you know, Uber, it's a taxi company, but done in a different way. Mm. 
you know, just eats is takeaways, but delivered, done in a different way. You know, it, it's not rocket science, is no. it? But it is disruptive. Mm. You know, and it's amazing, isn't it, when you think yeah. about it? I mean, these businesses have come out of nothing. Mm. Now, I've got one more question for you, <laughs> and it is about your yellow notebook here. Oh, right. So you said you'd written some notes because you thought I might ask you some things. Yeah. Is there anything we've missed? Um, anything not you've... really, but see, a notebook is something I think every entrepreneur should have mm. um, because, I mean, this sits by my bedside at night. And if I wake up and I've thought of something, I, I just write it down yeah. because I know I'd forgotten about it in the morning. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying there's been any necessarily groundbreaking things I've come up with in the middle of the night, but it certainly has during the day. It lives with me. I go through these on a very regular basis. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just like to put a few notes down and make sure that uh, yeah, I don't miss anything, <laughs> you know, yeah. because it's easily forgotten, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and little opportunities – um, people that you meet, it's, mm. you know, it's always something, isn't there? Or I might go to someone's house and I don't know, like a particular thing they've done in the garden. I just yeah. make a little note of it. It's old fashioned, isn't it? I mean, it's. I do the same thing on my phone, but yeah. I'm amazed now. My MD, who's what about fifty, she takes notes in every meeting. Yeah, and so many of my younger staff don't even take notes no i don't um, know how they think they can remember it no. I, I say to all my shop staff um you know around the different units that you should always have a pad even a little pad just yeah you know, even if i just give you a little job that i need you to do mm. at some point in the day write it down because otherwise i come to at the end of the day to you've done that job oh no i forgot yeah well i don't want to know you've forgotten no. do I? why, why do I, I what was the point of me coming down and asking you to do it just write it down mm. It's not, it's not hard, is no, it? No. You know, do it on your phone. I mean, I'm not of, I mean, obviously I have an iPhone, but I'm not of the generation to take notes within mm. my iPhone. I, I, there'll be a few in there because sometimes that's all I've got. Yeah. I've forgotten the pad or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. but I do like a pad. I must admit, I really like to mm. jot things down. Plus you can refer back to it easily, can't you? I can go, yeah. oh, well, what happened last Friday? Oh, I was in that meeting and that happened. Oh, yeah, I was going to mm. do that. Yeah. Yeah, with a phone, I do tend to find that, I sort of lose where it all is. A bit like your photos. You can have a million photos in there, can't you? Oh, where's that photo? Where's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, for the three people left in the UK who don't follow you or know who you are, where do you want, where should we follow you? I mean, you YouTube and TikTok, you look the most active to me on. Yeah, YouTube is the best place to find us. Mark yeah. Tilbury, just type that in onto YouTube and it'll come up with uh, my channel or yeah. mine and Curtis's channel. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Strike It Big as well, which is our podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be appearing on that quite as much as I used oh, to. Oh, why? Uh, because I've got other things in the pipeline that I'm concentrating on. And also, uh, we've got a very good young team. And I think the young team can do at things in a way that I can't mm. being a, uh, a senior gentleman <laughs> shall we say <laughs> yeah. uh, so when we have certain guests on I'll, I'll be on there and some I won't so mm. they're sort of freewheeling at the moment but again it's a good place to look at because we've got a strike it big discord as well where if you're interested in business you can get on there again it's all free and there are like-minded people on there and you can chat with them and i think sometimes in business chat is very very good because quite often as a, a youngster or someone starting a business you sort of know the answer to what you want to ask you just need a bit of reassurance and sometimes just being a bat that off someone is quite good i mean you know it, it's quite hard as i mentioned earlier about social network 
And I think a friendship social network is quite hard to maintain while you're working really hard. I don't know. Do you find a similar thing? Yeah, yeah, I drifted. I mean, I I didn't fall out with my friends by any means, but I drifted away because while they were still doing their thing that I used to do, I was not available on weekends and evenings Mm. anymore. And they don't understand that. No, because they're just going on a different direction. Yeah. And and now most of my friends are also business associates. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I think a friendship network or a, even a dating network within the business and entrepreneur space, I think someone listening mm. should start that as a business idea. Yeah, maybe there's something yeah. there. Because certainly it's very hard to keep that social network yeah, together while, while you're working hard because people really don't understand. Mm. And of course, you can get, you know, find me on Instagram and also our website is marktilbury.com. So, so basically every everywhere where you can find Mark Tilbury, they'll find you. You'll find me. Yeah, and you don't, you mean... Money is pretty much your favourite subject, isn't it? You like talking yeah, about finance. Yeah, I think per- personal finance and, and trying to better yourself, as yeah. a, particularly as a youngster. I, I think there's so much, you know, um, talent out there, particularly in this country, as we spoke to before. It might be suppressed a little bit here and there, but there is so much talent out there. Mm. Um, and sometimes, as I say, just need a bit of reassurance that, yeah, go on, you, mm. you have a go. Yeah. You, you, you're working right. Here's a few little things that can help you out and away you go and you can have a better life yeah everyone can have a better financial life everyone every single person and if they say they can't well they don't want to take any action i can't i can't help that but everyone can have a better financial life well it's been fun coming to your studio again and doing it here (laughs) much better than being in peterborough so thanks mark no worries been an absolute pleasure as always Rob. (laughs) 